Busy people and lots of yellies, Worcester hipsters and fat up townies. We have more than pizza in common, with two rocks for bookends. New Haven, New Haven, New Haven, Between Two Rocks. And welcome back to the Between Two Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Josh Levinson. Uh, sorry, it has been a few weeks since I have joined you. Um, I have been riding that sweet depression wave pretty mm. hard, so... Uh, just been hard to hard to email guests and be like, all right, could, do you want to do a thing? Because honestly, I could just never do anything again, and that would be fine. <laughs> so, uh, but we're back, and I'm excited, and I'm feeling a little bit better. So, um, you know, we're hanging in there and, uh, you know, just sharing a little about myself to start off, be a little vulnerable. <laughs> sure, I'll regret that, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, Instantly, you will regret it. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. It, it's good. I think it, it builds solidarity, right? For all the sad people out there who are afraid to talk about it. Yeah. So, anyway, those dulcet tones you hear are my co-host, Sean Murray. That's me. See, you you really came off that dulcet quickly. Yeah. (laughs) If you wanted to um, help yourself break out of that depression funk, you picked the the last, like the worst possible... Guests, oh, because I no. am right there. <laughs> no, no, no. I we think were surfing good. that wave together. It but was that, that makes me feel better bored. now. Yeah. If you were like, yeah, like sometimes I tell Colin when I'm feeling sad, and he just doesn't get it. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, but what about how great the world is? Like, right, you gotta stop talking, man. That's just. <laughs> He's just excited to be alive. It's irritating. It's just, I don't even understand it. Yeah, he's very tall and handsome. I think. Yeah. You know? I know. yeah so are you, I'm pretty tall. And fairly handsome. Yeah. So agreed. I should feel a lot better. You would think, so. but it turns out there's not a strong correlation. So, uh, so we are, we are kind of rotating co-hosts, as I've mentioned in the past. Like we were, we're using Colin a lot, and uh, I love Colin. He's great, but he kind of has the same energy slash opinions as me about New Haven. So I feel like having different co-hosts that actually may have a different, you know, experience. So like Sean, you grew up in New Haven. And I'm a very conservative person. So <laughs> exactly. you wanted to get Huge. the He's just decked out in Make America Great Again yes. outfit. Top to bottom. Top to bottom. That's my entire Is there like a cartoon character that only always wears the same outfit of a closet yeah, full of exactly right. yes, for every day of the week. And, and alternates, tough. you know. And you got to use that color guard cuz like yeah. yeah, you're committed yeah. to this. I'm using wool light, you know. <laughs> That's using right. cheer. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, you committed. I got it. You got your guy in there. He's doing great. <laughs> um, but yeah, you grew up in New Haven. Yes, I sure did. And I uh, and went to co-op. I went to co-op, the art school. Yeah, where I gave a talk recently about podcasting. Yeah. And I would say it was 40% of those kids paid attention. And that's pretty good, I that's think. That's pretty good because the percentage when I went there was a lot lower. Dude, going to co-op was so funny like and graduating and then seeing how much people like are so much better than you now like i remember when i first started at co-op in like ninth grade like i don't know 40 percent of the students didn't even care what art discipline they were in they oh, were just really? like and then then i go like when i go back to visit now like everyone is just like a model student and it's 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 how it's supposed to be but it makes yeah. me feel weird it's like maybe we should have like i um i did a um moderated a panel yeah. for um uh, arts and ideas mm-hmm. and there were a couple of students that went to co-op there and like one of them was like the liaison for the students on the board of education i was like we would never even think about speaking to anyone on the board yeah. of education let alone being a, uh, involved a yeah. member <laughs> right? yeah, yeah so it's great to see everyone's better than me now oh come on you have city. a bachelor's degree in yeah. something not helpful something unimportant yeah <laughs> <laughs> and unuseful but anyway i'm hoping you know you got a different perspective of things than i do i'm mm-hmm. like i've only been in new haven for eight or nine years so mm-hmm. and i'm i'm a gentrifying white devil as we've discussed previously yes. and so you're the person i'm dispossessing or whatever displacing <laughs> <laughs> sure yes um okay cool so i think we've covered who you are roughly 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 do you have roughly. anything else you want to discuss who you are as a human um love a good gummy worm Oh, yeah. You're a big candy head like me. Yeah, big time. You're also a sober person. Sober, so. big time. Yep. I like uh, to uh, not drink beer. Cool. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I used to like to drink beer, but yeah. Yeah, I, I drink the, the, the fake beer, which yeah. is so funny to me. It is. It's like it's, because it's, the taste is not what you're no, here for. It's so bad. it's like, yeah. And it's worse than regular beer, even, yeah. which is not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, no, it's quite bad. It's pretty. 
It's interesting. Choice. <laughs> just get a juice, dude. It's ah, okay. Yeah. I, I love a cranberry juice. I forgot to fucking start the timer again. How far are we in? Can you, can you give me hands? Five? Okay, cool. All right. So let's introduce our guest. How about that? Let's do it. Okay, cool. You're going to do it in unison? <laughs> no, <laughs> Three, two, one. Cool. All right. Lee Cruz, uh, you are the uh, Citizen Outreach Communities Director of Community Outreach. Director for of Community Outreach at oh, the Community Foundation. Okay. For Greater New Haven. Nice. All right. Oh, it's Greater a mouthful. New Haven. It is a mouthful. But yeah. as I found all those sort of nonprofits are. Yeah, right. but it sounds great what Lee said that you were just throwing together like generally community outreach kind of like, work. <laughs> I think yeah. I'm landing on yeah. it. So. <laughs> you're like community liaison partner for the <laughs> general. They probably have one of those. Anti gentrification. I, I was going through the all the job titles and there was quite a few of those. So. So Lee, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, cool. So what do you what do you do? You're the director of community outreach. What does that involve? Yeah, what does that what does that mean? Yeah, what does so that mean? Basically, I connect people, nonprofits, and businesses to create social and economic capital. Mm, economic capital. I love Think about that. <laughs> okay, how do I spend social capital? Social capital. Is that how I get people to like me? Someone says the most valuable. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, social capital is expended when you want to get something done and you want to bring people together. Mm -hmm. and so you save it up and then you invest it, hopefully wisely. Okay. What kind of APR are you getting on something like that? <laughs> oh, I think it's actually <laughs> quite a high APR if you do it right. Okay, that's good. I do love my compounding interest. Yeah, that's nice. nice. Um, so can you give me an example of bringing people together to get something done? So uh, bringing something, is it people together to get something done can be uh, as simple as, and as complicated as uh, a dream for a mural. In neighborhood and how like one the one Quajo a die made. I'm sorry, like the one Quajo a die made. Qu yes. Quajo? yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, that's he's been a previous cool. guest. Please yeah. check out that episode. Yeah, there you go, <laughs> little little plug in there. That's right. Stop so, listening to this episode immediately yeah. and listen to that other. It's like reading yeah. House of Leaves. I mean, not House. Um, like Infinite Jest, where you have to keep referencing the footnotes to get <laughs> back into the story. Yeah. So um, bringing a group of people together is what we did uh, a few years ago in the neighborhood where I live. Um, uh, Chatham Square, was, a, which is a section of Fairhaven, we brought together 109 people in a day and a half to paint a mural with uh, a muralist who was visiting from Puebla, Mexico. Mm. And uh, it took a couple of days to uh, do the planning, but the actual painting was uh, literally a day and a half. Okay. It's on Grand Avenue, 69 Grand Avenue. Go check it out. Okay. How much yeah. red tape is involved in something like that? Like, is it difficult to, like, get that approved? Like, do you have to, is that, like, a city thing? Is that, like, a business, like, talking to the person, it, it like, the depends, owner of the business? It depends where the mural is. Obviously, if it's a private owner, mm -hmm. you're going to have to get permission from that person. If it's um, going to the other extreme, if it's uh, something, like, under 91, mm -hmm. that required permission from the state because... The highway the and yeah. the walls underneath of it belong to the highway. We uh, we created a mural on the uh, exterior doors of a school building that is not being used. So um, since the building is not being used, the the doors are boarded up, mm -hmm. and so we basically went to the school system and said we're going to paint this mural on these boards that you've put up uh, because they face our main street mm -hmm. and we have a desire to make our main street look more beautiful and so we made a mural and they were just like cool they were like cool and <laughs> we you know we kind of had so much time so we figured we'd just uh get it done yeah Okay. Like, how do you decide on like a design like for something like that? Or even like the artist, you're so, like, oh, so from here, what, here's where's a playbook in Mexico? Here's what happened. 
We knew the artist was coming. He's related to someone who lives in New Haven. Okay. He was coming for a visit, yep. so we, we knew that much. So you're like, any opportunity to not hire local artists, if we can outsource this to Mexico, <laughs> let's just do it. <laughs> uh, every project is different. This no, one happened I'm to involve an artist that wasn't from town. <laughs> um, so um, we met on uh, Wednesday evening, and we gave him uh, all of our ideas, which basically the theme is the ethno-cultural history of Fairhaven, people who came here from the indigenous people who were here mm -hmm. when the English arrived, uh, all the way to the to current era uh, where we're getting people from India, from uh, uh, China, moving into the, into the neighborhood. So mm -hmm. in any case, um, so we gave them all, our, all of our ideas, figuring that if, um, let's see, like 27 people participated, open meeting, anybody could come. 27 people showed up, gave him all the ideas. We figured, let's let him, you know, he's a really great, very well-known uh, muralist in, in Puebla. And um, so let's hit, let him decide. So what wound up happening is he took all of our, all of our ideas and he put them on a 27-foot piece of paper and uh, rolled it out in front of us on Friday, and people had some minor comments and suggestions, and uh, then he went out and he basically hand drew it sort of with a marker mm -hmm. onto this wall on Friday evening, okay. and then Saturday uh, around nine o'clock, a bunch of people descended and we started painting, and we painted all day Saturday, and half day on Sunday, and then he came in and did what artists do to make criticize you until you were perfect. <laughs> <laughs> to to make professional it look moms cut. do. I don't know. Yeah. I can't. So this was an artist, not a professional mom. His, his <laughs> actually <laughs> his wife was here and his daughter was here, and his daughter worked with some of the kids around the sides of the building, mm. and we wound up with an incredible mural that people regionally have come to visit uh, awesome. the mural. It's also registered as a mural painted by a, uh, a Mexican muralist because uh, in uh, Mexico, muralists get a, a, a special number that is their ID number. And so this mural is certified as, uh, uh, as having been done by Miguel, uh, who is just a, a phenomenal person. Cool. So what's the address again? So the address uh, is 69 Grand Avenue. It's the intersection of Grand Avenue with Clinton okay. Avenue. And there's a bus stop right in front in both directions. So it's very easy to get there. Yeah, and that Grand Ave bus runs very frequently. So you got no <laughs> excuse. <coughs> no excuse. Sound like that, uh, yeah. Sound like yeah. that Whitney Ave bus. Where you're like, oh, never oh mind. If I miss it. That's that yeah, I used to catch that bus a lot to go to school, and uh, not fun to miss the yeah. bus that you need to get. Like, because it's like you gotta That's catch like that one hour. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I'm not. I'm just gonna skip this class. Yeah. Go to my four o'clock class now. That oh. that mural, by the way, is, is the biggest mural we've ever done. But it, it's not the first. We've actually done. Uh, so do you like talk shit to the other murals? You're yeah. like, look at that baby <laughs> mural. Do what you think that's nice? Come on, he's sixty square feet. Get the yeah, fuck out of here. Step your game up. <laughs> exactly. We got him in here too. Uh, Bigger is better. I, yeah. uh, whoever told you otherwise? <laughs> <laughs> At least in murals. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. In Certainly all life. in murals. Certainly in murals. And yes. in any other aspect, really, other than sitting on an airplane. <laughs> it's really the only other time. It's bad. Um, cool. So sixty nine Grand Ave. Very cool. So that was one project you helped put together, and you've been you've been involved in community organizing like quite a quite a while. So I uh, I came to New Haven after graduate school in 1983. Oh my gosh! Uh, directed a dropout prevention program for Hispanic youth. I know I'm 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 ancient. I'm and glad uh, you said it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> We're like both recoiling <laughs> in horror. Yeah, been Sean was even alive while. then. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm always fascinated when somebody was not not only like alive at that point, but old enough to be doing stuff. Like, yeah. like somebody the other day was like, um, they're like, yeah, I went to a concert, some concert, like 1984. Like, so not only were you alive in 1984, you were old enough to be like going to concerts on your own. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I was yeah. 10 years from being born. Yeah. Oh, nine there years. There you go. So, um, so yeah, so came here. Where'd you go to graduate school? Uh, Brandeis University. Okay, where is that? In Waltham, Massachusetts. Okay. And, uh, um, you know, I, I'm kind of fond of saying a 
something that my 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 friend actually invented this quote. I I wasn't born in New Haven, but I got here as fast as I could. Oh, that's very adorable. Yeah. Isn't that adorable? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, directed a dropout prevention program. Uh, worked for a little while in Hartford. So did drop-off prevention program? A drop-out drop prevent- drop prevention. Drop-out okay. prevention. Cool, cool. Drop-out of high school. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. Get, I Josh, get it now. please try to keep up. Yeah. I'm having a hard time, Lee, all right? I'm here with you, Josh. Okay. Drink your coffee and ketchup, <laughs> That's please. right, that's right. I would say yeah. another 20 minutes. I'm going to be right in this podcast. <laughs> I'm going to be ready to right go. On time. <laughs> right on time. You guys can start rolling in 20 minutes. Yeah, be, yeah. We're going to, this is all going on. Yeah, this is all pre-roll. Pre-roll, that's right. So, to continue, so, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> drop out prevention program, Hartford. Then I went to live and work for a year in Nicaragua through mm-hmm. the New Haven Little Sister City project, and I wound up staying for 12 years. Okay. And came back to New Haven in the late 90s, 98. Okay. And since then, I've been working in a number of nonprofits in a variety of areas, the arts, health, housing, and now at the Community Foundation, which is a funder of nonprofits. Okay. So now you can get involved in all the things. Exactly. So when you st- when you graduated, like, when you came out of grad school, like, you knew you wanted to be, like, involved in community. Like, what was your, um, what was your degree? Well, my degree is, is a Master's in Management of Human Services. Mm-hmm. Um, a much more well-known degree that's similar is an MPA, a Master's in Public Administration. Yeah. And um, so it's basically about running uh, organizations whose uh, main purpose is not necessarily to make a profit, mm-hmm. but it can include making a profit. Yeah. So yeah, so you knew like you knew you wanted to be involved in like the community and not necessarily like in government or whatever. Yeah, my interest has been more in nonprofit and civic organizations mm-hmm. more than government. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, like why one versus the other? They seem like similarish careers, like both in public service to some extent, you know. But I, I feel like yeah, you know, this is my opinion. I went to school for urban studies. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt like just being in that major in that field of study, it just feels like you can actually do mo- like you can feel like you are achieving more on a day to day basis. Like even when there's like red tape to fight through, mm-hmm. like being in government, you like, are the red tape. You are the red tape, <laughs> and, and it, like, there's certain things that you just can't get around. You know what I mean? Like you have yeah. to kind of like you're like um, like dictating the law to the yeah, people yeah. versus like when you're in the community, you get to like kind of fight against that and like work around that a little more. The, the distinction between being in the public sector, whether that be a public nonprofit government on the one hand versus the private sector is in the private sector, th- the mission is clear. You know, you're either making money or you're not. Mm-hmm. That is the purpose of a business is to make money. Yeah. In in the public Take sector, that customers not really or serve you. <laughs> yeah. In the in the public sector and in nonprofits, you you have to make enough money. You have to bring in money right. to run the organization. In the government, you do that through taxes and nonprofits through donations. But you also have a mission that may not meet the income requirements. So you subsidize it with donations. You uh, you're mandated by the the will of the people in government that you know we want our garbage picked up, we want our streets paved, we want you know. So even if those things aren't making money, and even if you can't always get it right by the will of the people, you still have to keep doing it, and it's your responsibility. Now, more recently, some people have been about the notion of, well, why don't we farm some of this out to the private sector? And that's all well and good when it works. And sometimes it does work. And we have examples here in New Haven where it works. We also have examples where it doesn't work. Can you give me an example of of, of each? Of of each, okay. So uh, here in New Haven, we have the New Haven Housing Authority and uh, mandated by the federal government. Yeah. Fun, you know, it is actually is a, a, a branch, an extension through HUD. I did see some very beautiful new housing come up on, like, uh, the Quinnipiac River. I was super impressed by... Right. 
I don't and know if it's so good or not. But th that's only that housing, which looks beautiful, is mm -hmm. ten years old. Okay. Monterey on Dixwell is almost twenty years old. So, wow. so what's how does that? I still how feel does, new. How does that work? They do look great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how does that work in that particular case? Instead of building and managing, the housing authority contracts a private company, and pays them an agreed upon price obviously for building it mm -hmm. they know they're going to manage it and they get they get incentivized to yeah. manage it properly you get paid for certain outcomes mm -hmm. so as a result of that that housing which is overseen by the housing authority mm -hmm. looks better you know it ha it has that incentive to keep it um looking as nice as it does and operating as nice as it does the the other housing the housing authority manages they're more hard pressed because forces above and beyond the housing authority are constantly putting pressure on them to keep the cost down after all it's only housing for poor people right yeah they so got to keep nice those things, you got to keep that cost down the same, some of the same people will say, well, if we're going to pay the private sector, well, they got to be able to make a profit or else they're not going to do it. And lo and behold, when you get enough money to do it right and you're properly incentivized, you get the outcome of um, uh, Quinnipiac Terrace, you get the outcome of, um, now I'm blanking out, I just uh, said. Monterey. Um, of Monterey. <coughs> you know, they look really beautiful. Now, there's and do you think people take more like pride in that, like when they, you know, oh, when they live in something like that, and then that oh, gives them better uh, outcomes uh, of like uh, changing their lives? Uh, or? Uh, abs absolutely. Yeah. Where you live and how that place is designed, built, and maintained has a huge impact, yeah. uh, particularly on kids as they grow up with that base of a sense of uh, aesthetic beauty and safety mm -hmm. um, to the extent that can be provided mm -hmm. absolutely it makes uh, it makes a difference it's a platform you step off of that it has a feeling of safety and a feeling of community that is absolutely necessary for kids to grow up to be healthy uh, contributing human beings yeah so that's an example of a positive outcome, essentially mm -hmm. working. And what will be an example of like a negative outcome? Absolutely, prisons. Okay. Prisons, yeah. Sure. Prisons <laughs> privatized private prisons. Have, yeah. have not worked. They yeah. just have not worked. What has happened is the people who have who run these prisons, uh, these private prisons, pocket a huge profit, yeah. and in fact, do not provide a good service for anyone. Yeah, I mean, no. not just for the people that are in prison, for their families, for the government, for no one. No one benefits so far from private prisons except the people who, who own them and the people yeah. who invest in them. It's just, yeah, it's like the idea that keeping people in captivity should be profitable is so insane. Like, it's, if you're incentivized to do that, it's so fucked up. I mean, that's just like, yeah, the, the issue with capitalism, like, down, yeah. at, like, it's just... Kind of profit off of most of the things that people try to profit off of is just the problem. Yeah, that you know? and like healthcare, are the two things where I'm just like, you know, we can't. Yeah, the idea isn't isn't about money at all. Like, yeah. why is this? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. like it, right. It can't be you. The choice of whether you live or die, or you're free or not, cannot be based on how much money we make. And I, and I, and I am kind of vaguely a capitalist, where it's like I think to some extent the markets can be efficient when it's to like when it's like stuff that can make our lives better or more interesting in, in different ways you know mm -hmm. what i mean like is it cool like um that i like i can get a decent job and maybe buy stuff that i care about versus somebody maybe doesn't care about buying more video games or like having a nicer car you know what I mean? it's like it's fine either way but i don't know some of this stuff is but wild. incentivizing people to make the housing in which the most vulnerable of our population lives mm -hmm. that is something that should be incentivized and the payoff for that is tremendous yeah. when people have good decent safe housing they start thinking about um, with greater focus on what their kids can and should be yeah. they start thinking about themselves in terms of okay so now that I know that that I live in a safe place 
and I have a sense of community, what can I do to better myself, which makes them a good example for their kids who are studying. Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of, of ripple effects that come out of good housing that um, are not um, always recognized and acknowledged. Also, placing housing for people who have a lower economic income in a community where there can be a greater sense of diversity mm -hmm. also works. Study after study indicates that we have the outcomes that we're getting in terms of school systems because we're racist. And when we allow kids to study together, to mix together mm -hmm. of various socioeconomic and racial backgrounds, all the kids benefit from yeah. that. I Grades go up for everybody. I was just going to say, I feel like I, as a student of at co-op, I feel like I definitely benefited and I saw the benefits of that because, you know, co-op in New Haven, a lot of the students are from outside of New Haven. So for not me personally, but I, I noticed, I know a lot of students who had never interacted with a certain different backgrounds whether it be the students from in new haven or the students from outside and it just gave you like just richer perspectives and like just more to like draw off of and like a kind of better sense of like what the world outside of your own space is mm -hmm. i think yeah living in new haven has done that for me personally like i grew up in a very white town in coventry connecticut mm -hmm. um and my parents are pretty liberal like they were very like cognizant of like hey don't treat people differently because they're race or whatever but like you can say all that but if you're not actually around people who are different than you like that there's only so far that goes you yeah. know and so like actually being around people who have totally different backgrounds like oh okay people live very differently than me and that's like important to be aware of when i interact with them because i can't assume that they know what i know and vice versa you know this is exactly why uh, my wife sarah and i have decided to bring our kids up in new haven and we chose fair haven because um if you walk around our neighborhood not only will you see the variety of incomes of New Haven, 50% mm -hmm. uh, of the kids in our neighborhood live at or below the poverty level. 2% or more of the people in our neighborhood have incomes of household incomes of $200,000 or more. Wow. They have houses on the waterfront, or yeah. condos, beautiful, you know, other beautiful uh, housing. When our kids walk around our neighborhood, they hear English, Spanish, Italian, Polish, Mandarin, Hindi, uh, Hebrew, French, mm -hmm. are all spoken within a block or two of Ugh, my house. French, God. And you can, <laughs> you can go down Grand Avenue and eat at a restaurant from uh, uh, where um, the owners were f are from Peru or from Mexico or from China. The, the best, what I consider to be the best Puerto Rican food on Grand Avenue, mm -hmm. the owner's from China, born oh, and raised in China. What's the, what's the restaurant? Uh, El Coqui, right oh. in front of Columbus. Yeah, yeah. Great Puerto Rican food. Juan, the owner, is a friend of mine, born in China, moved from China to Cuba, mm -hmm. where he had relatives, came from Cuba to the United States, bought that restaurant, he and his wife. He's put two kids, he's put his son through college, his daughter's at UConn right now, and all on, all on on Puerto Rican food <laughs> on <laughs> Grand <laughs> Avenue. I definitely feel like uh, Fairhaven, outside of like just downtown because it's the center, yeah. is like the liveliest kind of part Absolutely. of the city. And mm. I like, um, do you think? What do you think contributes to that? Is it is it is some of that the diversity of the community and like what what other factors? Would okay, that? hold on. Before we get to that, we do need to take a very short commercial break. Uh, but I think it's a great time to do it because that's a very good question, you know? So we Cliffhanger will Cliffhanger for the audience. <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm Alexander Bogle, host of Black Tech New England. I'm on a mission to explore how black culture and technology intersect within the New England area, which has some of the highest concentrations of wealth and education on the planet. Join me by subscribing to Black Tech New England on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And we're back. Thank you so much for uh, 
for hanging with us. Uh, and the question was about what? What was it? You made see exactly. This is why you don't cut me off in the middle of a question. Yeah, but you kept asking questions. It's so question hard. Was, you got so many good questions. Sorry. <laughs> the question was so I, I feel like um, we all kind of agreed that Fairhaven is one of the livelier. Yeah, definitely. Uh, probably the, I would say other than downtown, it's probably the liveliest. Yeah, when I'm walking down Grand Ave, I'm like, this is fucking straight up vibrant. These people are. Yeah, yeah this it's it's it's, it's the most it's kind exactly. of feeling mm-hmm. of a community of mm-hmm. any part of New Haven. And I was asking why uh, like we think contributes to that. Yeah, well, I I think that diversity is definitely a factor. And I'm going to mention a, a number of things that I think uh, are factors, but no one of them by itself mm-hmm. is what makes the difference. It's the combination of these things. So, I was going to say, Fair my neighborhood is funny diverse, but not that lively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fairhaven Fair has been historically a diverse neighborhood because many immigrants have come through that uh, that part of the city, and you mentioned like there were waves of immigration in the past. So oh yes, de- de- definitely from uh, some examples. You know, the, like obviously, the indigenous people mm-hmm. were here um, bef- when the English arrived in Fairhaven. It was a couple of years after New Haven, sixteen thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, through Fairhaven, we've seen waves of of Irish, German, Russian, uh, French. Uh, more French Canadian. Okay. Um, we've seen yes. the Puerto Rican community <laughs> go through uh, the um, now uh, a lot of people from Mexico, Ecuador, um, and probably seventeen other countries in yeah. uh, Latin America. There are people. I've uh, been meeting a lot of Venezuelans lately from so. from India. Could be coincidence. China. Um, so it quite. The diversity, so that that is very helpful. Um, things, in terms of vibrancy and in terms of happening, they they happen in. in some people would argue in waves. Mm-hmm. I would say they're they're kind of like plateaus. So the neighborhood had a heyday, uh, let's say in the fifties and sixties with factories. Uh, it transitioned very successfully from being a predominantly Polish neighborhood to being a predominantly Italian neighborhood. Uh, during the time of that transition, these two brothers that I know, the Fabrizio brothers, opened their um, dry cleaners business on Grand Avenue. This was probably 60 years ago. Hard to get wow. people to go to them because mm-hmm. they were Italian. Yeah. And most of the neighborhood was Polish. Mm. And and most people, that kind of blows their mind because they think, oh, historically, it was an Italian neighborhood. That's, right. You know, that's about the, the, the length of a person's life going back into the 50s and 40s. Then the numbers drop off significantly after mm. that. So, so, so they ran that uh, dry cleaners until just a few years ago and saw the neighborhood fully transition into being Italian and then transition into being Puerto Rican and then the variety of people from Latin America. And now we're getting bits and pieces of, of other uh, um, nationalities and cultures for different reasons. But also we, we have to remember that back in the 80s, in the mid-80s, um, Fairhaven was the heart of the Latin King, the gang called the Latin Kings, mm-hmm. who the, the big crack cocaine folks nationally, or one of them at least. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't know it was them. Yeah, they, I so mean, you don't know right who now. the Latin yeah. Kings are. I know the Latin Kings are, but yeah. I just wasn't aware that they were like the, I mean, I just feel like, they, you know. They were big. If it was the 80s and you were in a gang, you were selling crack. Like, that's yeah. how you make your money, right? Like, yeah. Well, it, it, for, for maybe some of your listeners that don't know, they can yeah. just Google Latin Kings yeah. and, and New Haven and, and get the history there. So that was a very difficult time. It was a time where Fair Haven was in certain respects all neighborhoods are different, but in certain respects, where New Hallville is now. Yeah. Right? A lot, New Hallville has right now, I believe, the highest incidence of gun violence in the city. And so, and back then, New Hallville had Winchester. It was, it was different, it was a different time, it was a different place. So, so the plateaus that I'm referring to, neighborhoods, don't stay stagnant. You know, right. some people say, well, uh, we, you know, neighborhoods getting better. We got to be careful. We don't want it to gentrify. Well, I would argue that, yes, we do. We do want the neighborhood to gentrify, but we want it to gentrify slowly 
and with the participation of the people who live there. Yeah. We want the tide that is raising the boats mm -hmm. in that neighborhood to raise the existing boats boats that are there. And the way we do that is we help people to get better jobs. We help people to get into housing that is secure for them, whether that be a subsidized unit or they go into home ownership. We help people not only to get jobs, but to create businesses and to own those businesses and to grow those businesses. Yeah. And then that's how that group of people moves up with whoever might be moving in. And the neighborhood is going to get better and some people are not going to catch on. It's not the right time for them. And they will be moved out of the neighborhood. And the question is, where will they go? Yeah. And the sad reality is that there's neighborhoods that are going up and there's neighborhoods that are going down. And the neighborhoods that are going down, they can be caught and slow down in their in their in their de-escalation right. and help to come back up again. But th it's, it's, I think it's a foolhardy thing to say, let's keep this neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Let's keep this neighborhood for poor people. Let's keep this neighborhood for black people or for Latino people. Yeah. Yes, we need to recognize the history and the culture in our neighborhoods. We need to celebrate it, use it to make the neighborhood better, try to get as many of the people who are there to grow with the neighborhood, to improve it, always making sure that there's some amount of housing in as many different places that's for low-income folks because they will actually help make the neighborhood better. Mm -hmm. So what do you think about, like, one of the things Connecticut has had really struggled with lately is, like, uh, the state has basically de demanded that towns have a certain percentage of affordable housing, but then every time there's, like, an affordable housing project, the suburbs are like, oh, you're changing the character of this neighborhood. You know, you, you can't just build these housing projects here, and it's like... Is it really just, it's just in social racism? Is it like, I mean, do we, how do we get people on board with the idea? Like, this is going to help your community too. Like, you're, you know, having different people is just going to help. You know, like, I, it does, sounds crazy, but, yeah. you know. So the answer to your, your question mm -hmm. is yes, it is racism. Okay. Yes, it is racism. How do we make them not be and, less racist? Well, and, well. <laughs> Could we just yell the, at them the, until the, they're like, <laughs> fine, or. Well, the first step, the first step is, is, a, is, acknowledgement we mm -hmm. have to acknowledge that we live in a racist society and that we ourselves are racist that's the first step yeah and that's the Don't hardest nailed it <laughs> <laughs> that that's the hardest thing yeah right? i did read this interesting thing it was yeah. like about how like being being aware of like your own like like it's not about like pretending you're like free racism it's just like if you just acknowledge it and be like okay here's where i'm coming from but i can like correct this behavior is like a, it's just a better attitude than try to pretend like you're above it. Yeah, or, it's like true you know. like any negative behavior. It's like mm. like if you're in a relationship with someone to pretend like you're the the one who's not has no problem and the other person is the one who's has all the problems is not helpful. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing about it is, it's it's not just about changing your behavior, which is important. It's important to be observing of your behavior mm -hmm. so that you can change it. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to acknowledge that there's structural racism and that we... That the system's in place. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. are participant in that structural mm -hmm. racism. And when we acknowledge that and we see it, then we can start to think about what changes need to be made in our city, what changes need to be made in our school system, in our healthcare system uh, to, to, to do that. So right now, for example, I of all places, some people might be surprised by this, but I'm working with Yale New Haven Hospital and Yale Medical School, and we're bringing Yale residents out into our neighborhood, into Fairhaven. Mm -hmm. I know there are other people doing this in Dixwell and in West River. The hospital is asking us to bring these residents around. So these people have finished medical school, yep. but they are not yet attending doctors. Though so mm -hmm. they're in those first couple of years. <coughs> and they're walking around and the neighborhood. Very troubling partners. Yeah. <laughs> Romantically. Yes. So background for, for Josh. We're gonna get to that in a later episode. Speaking yeah. of my <laughs> depression, residents are 
they're under a lot of stress. It's very hard to. They are. Deal with. Yet the hospital requires them to come out yeah. and spend time in these neighborhoods and hear from someone who lives in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. What is this neighborhood about? Who lives here? Why? Um, what are some of the barriers that make it difficult for them to fulfill? the two basic things that a doctor wants you to do. Show up to your appointment on time, and if I prescribe you medicine, take your medicine. Well, what if you can't afford the medicine? What if it takes two or three buses to get to your medical appointment? What if you have a job where someone tells you if you miss your job, even for medical appointment, you're gonna be fired? So how does that impact your health? So that's one piece. The other piece is the medical school has administrators, and I I have to really take my hat off to them, inviting people from the community literally on day one, literally within the first experiences that medical students are having and physician's assistant students is you need to understand the role that racism has played in the opiate epidemic and in the drug epidemic that we have in the country. You need to hear this from people who have research background and will explain this to you. And then you need to hear this from people who have had lived experience. Mm-hmm. And when you, when you are a medical student and you get into one of the best medical schools in the country and somebody who, who, is, who is white is telling you as a white person and someone who is white is telling you as a, as a brown person and as a black person who has made it, in quotes. I'm doing the air thing, so you have to tell. Yeah, he's right? explaining. Yeah, he's explaining. There we go. Telling you racism is real, racism impacts what we do, and we need to study it, and we need to hear about it from the people who are living that experience then that just sets a different tone mm-hmm. for going to medical school than even just a few years ago. Okay, nice. I wanted to um, kind of piggybacking off that <clears throat> question. Like, do you do you feel there's enough affordable housing in New Haven? I feel like every time I turn around, there's like luxury apartments. And it's not just an issue in New Haven. I feel like in any city you go to, there's always like new luxury apartments popping up. Not just in like, you know, underprivileged neighborhoods but just everywhere across the city and it's it's like who are who are these people who are these apartments professionals you know they're (laughs) out there they're fucking they're having a good time a lot of the people who are moving into the luxury apartments are from outside of new haven this is a trend that's happening in the united states people are moving out of the big cities and moving into small, medium-sized towns like New Haven, where they can be a short distance from New York and Boston and have those benefits without having those expenses. To get back to your question um, of affordable housing, affordable housing has to be fully integrated into any housing development that we do. We cannot, I, I do not believe at this time, politically raise um, the, 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 the resources that are necessary, nor do I think it is advantageous to say, let's set aside this whole huge section here and have it be just for poor people. It's, it's hard to impossible to raise the money and it's not good for kids who, who live in low-income families right, more to like live in the section that is for poor mm-hmm. people. What we need to do is we need to make sure that every housing um, a project includes some amount of affordable housing across the entire city, and we need to pressure the state of Connecticut to enforce the existing laws around this type of housing, affordable yeah. housing, in towns across Connecticut. Yeah, they're doing a good job resisting. Um, I want to switch gears a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, so one of the, I, I assume you follow the news pretty closely in New Haven, right? And so one of the stories that was pretty interesting to me recently was about uh, the skate park, the pro skate park in Scandalberry mm-hmm. Park, right? So a bunch of people raise some money. They want to put build a skate park in, Scandal, uh, in Scandalberry Park, which is like right on the sort of border between like downtown and New Hallville and, you know, and Prospect Hill, and so they were. They got all the approval. They got everything done. And then uh, a bunch of people were like, "Hey, we're a part of the community. You didn't tell us. We're not about this." And so it's interesting to me because it's like 
is there, can you even build a project that everybody agrees on? Like, what should be the expectation? How many people should buy in? Like, how much outreach? Because, like, how what, what percentage of New Haven residents go to a community meeting? I would say very few overall, yeah, right? And so, and and I think in any project, you're going to have somebody who's like, I don't want this. This isn't for me. I'm not, and I'm personally never going to skateboard. I'm just I'm not going to learn now. It's fine. And I understand the complaints that it's like, oh, it's loud, it's like concrete, it's it's going to change character of the neighborhood. But conversely, like if kids are skateboarding, that's like a cool hobby you can get into. That's pretty like positive, I'd say overall. It doesn't you know mm-hmm. to me have a lot of negative connotations in terms of like leading to, you know, I guess it could be a gateway to BMXing, which is like yeah. a huge and bummer. That's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Once people are lost that's to BMX, devastated so many cities. People on BMX families. You know, my my yeah, cousin part. got into BMX and just like started drinking Code Red, <laughs> and uh, that was it for diabetes. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. So like, how so, how do you you know? Yeah. So I would say my experience it's it's practically impossible to get a hundred percent. Uh, agreement on mm-hmm. a project, but it does happen every once in a while that you'll get, you know, a, just so overwhelming that it, yeah. it practically is a hundred percent. But I, I, I think the, the the issue with that park, I have been following it. I've attended some of the meetings. I was at the at the uh, the protest to the park, actually mm-hmm. at the park. Were you protesting activists? Uh, no, I okay. was there to observe what okay. is going on. It's not my community. Yeah. But it is something that I'm interested in how these things happen. Yeah. That there's like all these plans to make a conversion in this park that is significant. And the organizers who think like, I got, you know, we got this. Yeah. You know, um, so so this actually kind of ties into some other work that I'm doing at the Community Foundation. So at the Community Foundation, I run the Neighborhood Leadership Program, and we invite people from mainly New Haven, but also East Haven, West Haven, and Hamden, because similar, you know, types of issues, yep. to uh, to bring their ideas to do anything, which could be a mural or a skate park yep. or whatever it is, anything in a place that builds or sustains community. And one could argue that a skate park, uh, yeah. a, a skating area in that park would build a community of skaters, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, Edgewood is like wild. Like there's, yeah. the community is really strong there. It would, and yeah, it would build or it would sustain, it would sustain that community. Mm-hmm. So the people that go through our, the, our, our program, first thing we tell them to do is got this great idea. You're really excited about it. Before you come back to meet with us, talk to 20 people. You're gonna start with the ones that you know. Yeah, but but you know you don't. don't (laughs) (laughs) It's bad. Okay, done. Shut it down. (laughs) You don't. You you don't want to get beyond the first five without Mm -hmm. talking to someone that you don't know. Yeah, that is from your community and ask them what. So so what you know? Who are you? What are you into? And here. Here's this idea that we'll I have see to your do Netflix queue. We need to get to know each other. Yeah. Well, it's what what you need to get to know is how does your idea sound to someone else mm-hmm. who is invested in your community? Mm-hmm. Um, do you I, think the organizers I, did that, or well, I, I, it certainly s- sounded like they thought they did. Yeah, right. And so here's the tricky part about that. It's really easy to talk to people that you know. And I don't know this particular case. Yeah. I'm 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 talking but in you've the seen theoretical this type of experience, like where people like I, I'm found talk- thirty skateboarders in yeah. the neighborhood. Like, yeah, you want this, right? Right. Well, exactly. Because if you find if you but want all these to build grandmas a skate are against park, us. <laughs> yeah, if you want to build a skate park, yeah, and you talk only to skaters, yeah. then your chances are you're going to get. A lot of consensus mm-hmm. <laughs> when you talk to people who aren't skaters, and when you talk to people who are um, BMXers of, 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 or of, yeah, BMXers or their grandmas or <laughs> their people Both who have had bad experiences with Yale <laughs> University, bad experiences with Yale University, yeah, or sure, or, yeah. Uh, people who have read or have been led to believe that it is important to maximize green space, which I happen to be one of those people. Yeah, I think sure. that in urban neighborhoods, we need to have more green space. So you, 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 I do you think you does a pretty good job with the green space. We have a lot of trees. I'll yeah. say like but, we need more parks, but yeah. yeah. But, but my point is that by talking to these people, it's not that you're going to go out there and say, Oh, you know, I talked to 20 people and people 
uh, talking to people involves not only talking to a diverse group of people, but understanding what really underlies their fear, what really underlies their concern, what underlies their confusion about your project. Because when you do that, you're going to find that sometimes you can't, an accommodation can be found. It's not always true, but it is surprising to me how often I've been in a situation where at first the people are at absolute loggerheads. It is. It doesn't look like it's going to move forward. Yeah, there'll be no compromise. But but by building relationship and understanding what really, what really is at the heart, yeah. and sometimes what that requires is getting to what I call the fourth or the fifth level of why, mm-hmm. because the first time you say to people, so someone, are you, you heard of the five whys, right? Uh, yeah. Uh? Five whys? Yeah, yeah, it's like a corporate. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. it's, 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 yeah, it's, when we have, yeah. yeah, in corporate, they're like, the five whys, it's like, when we have a problem, you need to ask why and keep asking why. It really gets to the root oh, of the issues. Right. And that, and, and there's there's great merit in that. Yeah. And, and, and in that process, what you might find is either it is true, there is no way to build consensus around this project, or you may find that you can actually, in the design phase or even in the pre-design phase, address some of the things. Certainly, to the design phase, you want to bring some of those things that you've learned about what the fears of people are. So, And then you're like, oh, I get it. Like, your skateboard killed your father. Like, I understand, you know? <laughs> so, uh, all right, we're getting to the point of the podcast where we like to play a few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are basically just questions, but uh, they're fun questions. I thought we were gonna spin the bottle. <laughs> I mean, we could, we could try. You got a bottle right there, Josh. Let's do it. <laughs> Lee, you don't have to participate. <laughs> so it's just us kissing. Yes. Is that the game? <laughs> that's what it was all about. That's why I showed up. I wow, it's so weird. I, that I was is, invited. It's just weird that this is the lighting you chose to make your move. Like. Hey man. <laughs> uh, okay, so the in. first game I like to play is called Fuck Mary Kill, uh, but we don't do it with humans because that would be rude. But instead, uh, concepts. So basically, what I picked was New Haven Improvement Projects. So development projects over the years. Uh, one that you love, that would be your your Mary. One that you hated, that would be your kill. And one that you would fuck with. So like something that you're like, yeah, it was, it was all right. You know? Um, does that make sense? No, but let's do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you can think of a better idea. I was just like, it's yeah, hard yeah, for me no, to be ahead, like, yeah. Because I don't want to so, shit on like, so, so, profits so, so, or something. So. Like, that sounds worse. <laughs> Um, and I can only speak to the last 10 years because that's how long, you know, roughly I've been here. Yeah, well, I've so, been here longer, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know for me, just killing the whole Coliseum being detonated, like, it's because I, I mi- I, I'm sad I never got to see it and hang out in the Coliseum and, and see large acts. I don't think that's even, like, a thing anymore, really. Like, less arena shows, I guess, but I don't know. I just feel like that whole thing's just been a parking lot for, what, 20 years? So that's, you know... I don't think it's been quite 20 years, but, yeah. but maybe it has. Close. It, it, it's it, pretty yeah, close. pretty close. Yeah. Um, See, I, I would say I, I I got to go in that building yeah. on more than one occasion. Um, and, um, it's like the Harvard uh, not, Center. Not just impressed. a soulless. Not, yeah. not, not impressed. What I, I think that is sad is mm-hmm. that we destroyed a neighborhood in the name of progress and what I'm referring to is Route 34. Yeah, the 34. That Oak from, from where the yeah. Coliseum used to be yeah. down toward the hospital all the way out to Route 10. Yeah. That used to be a vibrant neighborhood. That was like many, many years ago, and right? That, that was that was even before I came to New yeah, Haven yeah. back uh, back in the 60s. Yeah, I think and, a research um, project on They are going to, you know, highways were going to save the world. Sure. And we are going to build one that was going to go from Roger Rabbit tried to warn us yeah. you know he was there yeah. they were like listen trust the cartoons man <laughs> he's no one no one's gonna drive on a highway it's crazy but they yeah. did so Church. I that's the one if, if yeah. that's the one that I would kill you I would, would kill definitely, that one yeah if we could undo that uh, the hill and West River and Dwight that that the intersection of those neighborhoods would be totally different yeah. If those neighborhoods still, if that neighborhood still existed, yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact, until about the time that I moved to New Haven, a little bit after that, there was a group called the Oak Street um, um, 
the I don't know if they would call themselves neighborhood association, but they, they were people who grew up in that neighborhood in their 60s are, are the oldest ones that I remember reminiscing and and still getting together periodically they may have killed the infrastructure yeah. but they that sense of community was still there decades after the neighborhood was not cool what about you sean would you also kill that um yeah i mean there's there's nothing really to support sort of their no contest <laughs> because well here's, here's the thing it's like i agree with lee like the coliseum as an entity wasn't great i like the idea of there being a coliseum something like that to yeah. like bring in that kind of like those levels of events or whatever yeah. but for it to be there then destroy that community and then be destroyed and it's now like you said just a parking lot like they've been talking about like this downtown revitalization project yeah, about work, learn, play. All this stuff. Yeah. yeah but it hasn't happened yet and yeah, it, yeah so I, I don't i don't know if i'm falling either side but i, I think if they're isn't going to be a coliseum there should at least be something to show for you know there you know that space like just yeah. not being just a bunch of parking lots mm. all right cool what about do we love any any development projects so i i would say that i really love how um, um new haven is being turned into a city whose streets are for people walking people biking and cars the combination of those that's those are the three major ways that people get around and i would say scooters are in there somewhere but the point really is cool that people. complete yeah. streets make sense to me streets where uh motorized vehicles have to go more slowly yeah. and streets where bicycles are welcome and it is a safe environment for them as well as for people who are walking uh is something that i love about new haven yeah we still had a lot of issues with like uh, pedestrian deaths and stuff there were a bunch Absolutely. like in, in this year it's been uh car drivers you know they're the worst yeah. i did drive my car here but you know <laughs> <laughs> but it's raining yeah it's, come on <laughs> come on uh, I don't know. I mean, well, I, well, you know, you know, just about that that issue. It, it is unfortunate. We need to absolutely work on it. Yeah. I know. I know that there was a meeting very recently. I wasn't able to attend at City Hall on that on that very issue. But it is, in my mind, a mistake to go backwards in in Fairhaven at the corner of Ferry and Grand. There are these empty spaces where there used to be benches. Mm -hmm. And I remember when elderly people would come out and sit in those benches mm -hmm. and talk. And, and mm -hmm. it was very social. And you walk by and you could sit and talk with them. And then there came a time where some young people started hanging out on the benches and sitting at the top and putting their feet in on the where you're supposed to sit. And the response to that was the city took the benches out. Mm -hmm. Right. So great. They took yeah. the benches out. So the kids are standing there or they're standing in front of the in front of the stores. They were never engaged in anything that really addresses the issue, which yeah. has to do with what do they have to do and how do they express themselves and where do they meet? But now that space is empty and um, and the and the youth aren't there, but the elderly aren't there and there's nothing. It's just a piece of the sidewalk that is not being used. Yeah. So I would say the same, you know, we are having unfortunate accidents. They need to be addressed. We need to keep working on design. Mm -hmm. We need to penalize drivers who drive unsafely and we need to make our streets complete streets. I would say I love the non-existent uh, bike lane in my neighborhood, the Edgewood bike lane that is still not existing. <laughs> Despite the many empty promises of Mr. Doug Halsedon, who was a former guest on here. Uh, I heard they put out to bid and nobody bid on it, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's another problem. Nobody. Uh... Uh, apparently it was because somebody like like doing all the signal work and the bike lane was just nobody wanted to do all of it. So, What about you, Sean? Do you love any... I was gonna say I like the um, the bike program, like the uh, the rental bike oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, thing. I think it still needs you know needs to more expand more. And, yeah. um, I gotta walk almost a mile to get to the closest one. But I, I think that's like um, you know New York has the city bikes, mm -hmm. and then like a lot of um, cities like uh, L.A. and Austin have like the scooters. And yeah. I, I've spent a lot of time in Austin, <clears throat> and I think that's a, like a really great. I mean, there's a lot of problems with 
there being too many scooters and people just being able to leave them anywhere. Yeah. But I think it it makes the city easier to traverse. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like it makes the communities uh, a little bit more. If you're you know if you're traveling by bike, not only is it easier to get around. Um, for people who don't want to walk, but it's also like you get a chance to experience the community, like yeah, absolutely. First person, not just being cutting through the community on a. I in a see car. more. Yeah, I see more on my bike, just looking around, and because you're slower, you're you're outside. You know, you really experience the streets in a different way. When you're driving, you just like you just gotta go. Like, oh, where's the next fucking green light? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna. Do we want to do fuck with? I mean, do we care? Uh. Yeah. What do you say? So define that. <laughs> I mean, basically it means like, uh, it's good, but I'm not in love with that, you know? Hmm. Or we could go on to the next game. I feel like we're almost out of time, so let's just do the next game. It's fine. It's We're not. Nobody's going to. The podcast. Yeah, you didn't sound gonna. very excited about doing that. that <laughs> one anyway, so. I just rather jump to the next game. <laughs> um, so one game I do actually like to play is uh, Steal Something. And that's basically where we take something from another city that we like and would love to see in New Haven. So previous examples have been like the High Line from uh, New York or um, the pedestrian-only intersection in Burlington, Vermont, where there's just sort of like no cars allowed, their downtown area. Um, so anything like that. I like... Um, there are a number of spaces in... Um, I mean, I guess it's similar to that pedestrian-only uh, intersection where it's like there are streets that are just kind of dedicated to just pedestrians you know like mm-hmm. just kind of cutting off any vehicular traffic yeah, whatsoever yeah. i mean obviously bikes whatever yeah. but like there's i like those spaces where would you put it um right here ninth square okay yes nice. cool um done but i also uh there's even more people walking around we'd have like a real today show situation people just pressing their fleshy bodies against the window <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the excerpt for this episode, if you were curious. Um, cool. So, a thought. Yeah. Um, so It's allowed. I, Go I, on. <laughs> I recently had uh, occasion to meet some people. Um, the organization actually started in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're called Incremental Development. Mm-hmm. Their website is incrementaldevelopment.org. Okay. And what uh, these folks did is they realized that among themselves, they had all the skills that are typically hired by developers, architects, real estate people, builders, demolition people, et cetera, et cetera, uh, designers. And uh, what they did is they started um, looking at the neighborhoods that they live in, that they love. Mm and started identifying uh, buildings and lots that were not being used and that no large developer would come into. It's just not big enough for them. Yeah. And they started working together on those buildings, designing, building, talking to people in the neighborhood. This involves civic leaders as well. Mm -hmm. And it worked out pretty well for them. So then they came up with the idea we can teach other people to do this. And that's where incrementaldevelopment.org uh, comes in because this is a website where you can see and hear from people in such diverse places as Buffalo, New York, uh, obviously M- Minneapolis, um, <laughs> South Dallas, which is the poor side of Dallas. Okay. And you can hear stories of people who have taken the lead in their neighborhoods. So, in my dream that I'm working on, mm-hmm. I'm trying to identify people from the neighborhoods in New Haven. Mm-hmm. Um, Dixwell, Newhallville, The Hill, Fairhaven, et cetera, that are interested in being a, a point person or being part of a team that is looking at these spaces, not necessarily with any government subsidy but there could be a government subsidy uh, but the idea would be what is available right now to be developed or redeveloped in the neighborhood that is small enough that we can tackle it a one family house a two family house a three or four family maybe a couple of apartments with an empty storefront and 
what how does one go about doing that that's what the incremental development framework is about cool. and uh so that's yeah i, mean, I want to steal that cool that sounds great um i think i don't know if this is really this isn't stealing something but i've just decided that i'm going to just say this is said something that i would love is just an express train to new york that only stops new haven bridgeport stanford Harlem, grand central like don't like i just like there's so many stops and we're not we're far away from getting high speed rail i feel like so we may as well just like all right what if there was like a one or you know a couple express yeah they have a couple that come from grand central that do that but you yeah. don't have too many that go yeah the like there's way. no yeah. like uh, and i feel like it just keeps like now it's like two hours ten minutes to grand central i'm like damn it just gets longer and longer like i'm happy for west haven or whatever but yeah oh, another thing angled parking i want to see that okay nice it's, uh space saving it's more efficient it's, okay uh, safer i'll trust you on this one urban yeah. studies guy no it's great i yeah. like it i'm like I it looks cool to me as an engineer i'm just like you guys are talking about your majors i'm like i just see math and you're not math right <laughs> yeah. like you're just not math majors i don't know like you did some sort of other non-math thing <laughs> cool uh so, so we're that outsiders us, is what you're saying to us i mean you see us I as other yeah i definitely do yeah it's a new form of classism <laughs> based yeah. on only on <laughs> mathematics um so anyway that is our episode we're out of time thank you so much lee cruz for coming where My can people pleasure. learn more about your uh your community outreach so um, I'm, I'm all over social media i'm okay. on instagram facebook twitter linkedin do you want to uh, give me handles on those or just like go to instagram.com and it, you'll be right it, there you just i mean if you're from new haven it's not that difficult to find me <laughs> yeah. um so, you know among them all of them i have like ten thousand followers so it's Whoa. easy i bubble up Oh, bubble up! Um, You're an influencer. Very, very, very you want to lend me some of those? What kind of Lululemon? Yeah, uh, yeah you know, pants are you are you hawking? A few, this a, week? few <laughs> a few thousand, a thousand to a few thousand on each of those. Woo, not bad. In the, in, for the neighborhood work that I'm personally involved in mm -hmm. uh, in Fairhaven, uh, go to www.chathamsquare.ning.com. You can see how we're working together with the businesses in our neighborhood, residents and businesses working together. Uh, we're also working, obviously, with the nonprofits, the library, the health center, the Mary Wade Home for the Elderly. But it's, it's that dynamic that I think is mm -hmm. moving us forward. Again, chathamsquare.ning.com. To see what I'm involved with with nonprofits, obviously, there is the uh, website of the community foundation cfgnh.org but I also manage a website gnhcommunity.org and that's about nonprofits uh, sharing information with each other about what they're doing what they need how people might work with them it's just a an exchange mm -hmm. uh, I'm hoping to start other websites like that yeah. uh, for other areas that I'm interested in like neighborhood development and also uh, entrepreneurship I don't know something on the dark web you thinking like that uh, yeah I'm gonna leave the dark web to some of those criminals fair enough folks. <laughs> yep, exactly. to the dark sorcerers that's, right. what they, that's what they call all users of the dark web dark can I buy a spell up in here <laughs> the Sith maybe uh, what about you, Sean? Where can people follow you? Uh, down the street. You find nice. me down. No, uh, follow, follow me on Twitter. You see a tall, good-looking black dude. Yeah, probably, probably me. <laughs> Spike here. Especially um, if it's like a Yukon yeah. hoodie. Uh, follow me on Twitter, Highbrow Sean. Follow me on Instagram at Lowbrow Sean. Nice. And uh, do not follow me on Facebook. Perfect. <laughs> uh, BetweenTwoRocks.com, as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time, and have a lovely evening. Back. Busy people and lots of yellies, Worcester hipsters and fat up townies. We have more than pizza in common. With two rocks for bookends. New Haven, New Haven, New Haven. Between two rocks. Ba da da da. Ba da da. Ba da da da. Ba da da. Between two rocks. <laughs>